The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice and Rev. Dan Beckett. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today. I am Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice. And I'm Rev. Dan Beckett. And together, we discuss the ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. And if you're listening live, you're welcome to join the discussion with your comments or questions. You can call us right now or anytime during the show at 816-251-3555. Again, that number is 816-251-3555. We would love to hear from you. And Facebook users, you can also message us during the show or anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the Send Message button right below the banner. And just as with phone calls, your anonymity is always respected. So insanity has been defined as doing the same thing repeatedly but expecting different results. Now this obviously applies to our behavior, but it also applies to thinking patterns as well. And so today we want to talk about how to make your way through these old thinking habits and to move into a better way to live. We will also talk about practical suggestions for identifying and controlling these unhelpful patterns in our lives. We'll begin by sharing our own experiences of what our recovery community calls, quote, stinking thinking, and then move into the solution of living by spiritual principles. After the break, we'll share exactly how we used a spiritual approach to life to gain clarity of mind and purpose. So, Lonnie, tell us about uh, this, what we call stinking thinking. That's one of our maybe uh, recovery slogans, greatest hits, stinking thinking. (laughs) We've all been there. Well, you know, in the beginning, I had no idea that that was even a thing, you know, because I was one of those that came into the program uh, realizing that while I, I could not stop my compulsive behavior, I did not believe there was a thing wrong with my thinking, you know, and, and it was it took me quite a while to understand that, uh, as it talks about in the book, that the, the, the obsession centers in the mind, the malady centers in the mind. And so this was a, a problem for me to start identifying what is stinking thinking. They'd tell me I have it, but I didn't know what it was. It just seemed normal to me. But, you know, um, one of the things that showed up for me was learning that there was a pattern. And the pattern was I had a problem. I didn't know what to do. Oh, a drink will fix it. You know, that was the first layer of the pattern. The second layer of the pattern was, oh, one more won't hurt, you know, and I realized that 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 was 
repeatedly came up as my solution. And, and that was a cycle, an obsessive cycle that was in my brain. Um, you know, and, and so that can be applied across my life. I have a problem. It isn't a drink that'll fix it today, but the thought comes up of, well, um, you know, this time it'll be different. Or, you know, if, if one is better, good, two is better. You know, and, and those are the types of embedded patterns in my in my thinking that I identify as stinking thinking. Yes, I like that, uh, those embedded patterns. And I have that one, too. I was just thinking about uh, if one's good, two's better as almost a mantra to, to live by. Um, one, I know what, so as I considered this, you know, what is the stinking thinking or, or what, what does it look like in my life? You know, these, uh, what we might call unskillful or unhelpful patterns of mind that we've developed for whatever reason. Um, and, and I know that, uh, I don't drink alcohol now, but I, I find I'm drinking a lot of coffee recently and coffee <laughs> just keeps coming up as a solution to lots of problems uh, better that than alcohol but one thing that's sort of a theme in my thinking that I've uh, worked on and tempered is the idea that I have to do everything myself right it's related to feeling like well no no one else really knows or you know maybe slash cares uh, what's going on and so I've got to do it that that old saying if you want something done right you've got to do it yourself that's you know kind of coming from the same way of thinking that I've carried in my mind for a long time it's gotten a lot better but um, you know that's one of those old old patterns of thought you know I'd, I'd heard in a song um, what once was a was a uh, a rut that used to be a groove is what it was talking about and so that's a groove that became a rut in my mind uh, the idea that I have to do everything myself and you know I think a lot of these kinds of ideas were planted from from uh, family and just the enculturation, you know, um, you got to do it yourself. You know, you've got you got to stick to it. You can't quit. You know, things like that that kept me in this in this pattern, both of thinking and of behavior. You know, and one of the things that I I noticed um, after a while is that I had this thought that well, I'm not doing it right if I just try harder. You know, and I had this this um, even before the addiction became an issue. I I was a basketball player and I you know, got into college and I wanted to play basketball, but everybody, all the girls outweighed me by 50 pounds and, and were three inches taller than I was. And, but I was, if I just tried harder, you know, I try to control the uncontrollable things that are outside of my realm of control. You know, they were bigger and faster and taller and, and all of that. And I couldn't hold my own, but I kept trying and I got beat up pretty bad because, <laughs> you know, physically I could, but I had that pattern of thinking, if I just try harder, if I just do one more, if I just stay up another hour, if I just take another class, I can do this, you know, and it's, it's almost pathological in some ways. Yeah. One more will fix it. That seems like a close cousin to, uh, if one's good, two's better. Um, I remembered the line I was trying to think of in that song and it goes, uh, the, the rut that I'm in had once been a groove. Mm-hmm. And uh, that 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 describes a lot of things, I think, in in the way that my mind works. Another way um, that stinking thinking shows up, and this isn't as specific, but this kind of a persistent, low-level feeling of fear or anxiety 
that's mostly gone now. I mostly don't have that anymore, but I had that forever, I think. And, and it, you get so used to things like that. I think I got so used to it that, you know, I didn't even notice. It's like uh, anything around the house or we were just talking uh, at church about the fire extinguishers. You know, are they do they need to be inspected? Do we know where they are? Uh, I, I couldn't say where the fire extinguisher was in the kitchen, but if you walk in there, it's like a piece of art on the wall. You can't miss it. But I didn't see it because I saw it all the time and it faded into the background, this giant red fire extinguisher that's just right out there um, to be seen. So this persistent low-level feeling of fear or anxiety that I just kind of got used to and didn't even recognize it, but after being in recovery for some years, uh, you know, I noticed it when it started to fade. And um, that's been uh, a very pleasant part of this whole process is to have that tempered. Uh, that's not something that uh, I enjoy carrying around. It's, it's a heavy burden. And once we uh, identify some of the underlying belief systems and um, emotions and motives and all those things that go with that, you know, at least for me, that's when I started losing some of those other fears and such. You know, another thing that I noticed that showed up as stinking thinking for me was my tendency to think in absolutes. It's all good or it's all bad. You know, it's uh, Murphy's Law. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. And I kind of lived by that believing that if it could go wrong, it was going to go wrong, you know, and so I was anchored in this negative uh, thinking pattern, this negativity, and my speech uh, was the big clue, well, you always say this, and you always do that, and you never consider this, and you never include me, and you know, the, the absolutism around all of that uh, was a big signal. You know, I realized as I considered uh, this question, you know, what what does thinking thinking look like in me? That in a way, it's kind of the opposite of the promises, right? It's it's, and then one of them that really stands out, and this is one of the promises that worrying about money is something that my mind will do. Uh, and again, that's one that's gotten much, much better, though it is, it will still come up from time to time. It doesn't tend to stick around nearly as long, um, but it's still in there somewhere. And, and that's what one of the promises says, that fear of financial insecurity will leave us, which kind of is a clue to the idea that, well, fear of financial insecurity is part of my stinking thinking. Because if I look back, if you look objectively at my life, there's no reason that I need to be carrying around a fear of not having enough money. I mean, yeah, money might ebb and flow like the weather or like a lot of things, but, um, you know, I made it this far and I'm pretty sure I could make it the, you know, the next several decades. Why Am I carrying this fear around? It's not serving any purpose. I don't need it. But it's a great example of stinking thinking that I do carry sometimes. Another one for me is the judgmentalism, um, which, of course, is a way of building a wall to keep people away. What reminded me of that was another one of the promises, you know, fear of people will leave us, you know. And, and so, you know, the stinking thinking that builds the wall, the, the being angry, the being unapproachable, the being irritable, um, you know, judgmentalism, jumping to conclusions without any fact 
you know, based on all of those things, oh, you, you made me angry. Oh, you must be like this. Oh, the way you look, I, I project this on you, you know, I mean, all of, all of those kind of patterns. I didn't have to be drinking in order to have that kind of a thought process going on. And it took me a long time to start catching it and becoming aware of it and working on it. But that's one of the ways it showed up for me. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's it's our um, our addictions that helped us deal with and cover up these patterns of thought that when we take away uh, whatever the addiction was, alcohol in my case, well, guess what that leaves? It leaves it leaves all the things that were uh, there in the first place, and now uh, they're not so faded into the background. I find myself doing this um, that I've heard uh, jokingly referred to. In, in the recovery community is contemplating the wreckage of my future. I can from time to time, and again, this is the, like a lot of these things, doesn't happen nearly as much as it used to, but it can still come up. Um, just worrying about what's going to happen. It's not going to work out. And, you know, what what if I don't have, you know, again, bringing in the money? What if there's not enough money for this? Or what if I can't do that for some reason? It, it could be anything, you know, and it's just a, in a sense, it's an exercise in futility in my mind. Uh, file it in the same folders that last one I spoke of. There's no reason. I do not need to be carrying this around. It's a burden. It serves no purpose uh, in my life. Uh, I, I'm pretty good about letting it go. Um, it does still come back every now and again. But, you know, worrying about the future in a, sort of a hypothetical sense um, is definitely part of my stinking thinking patterns. And, you know, I, I've heard these, these thought patterns referred to as the committee, you know, mm. all these little voices that just kind of they'll jab us in the ribs and say, Hey, you forgot about this one. And then the obsessive thoughts start up again. But now that we know about this challenge of stinking thinking, what's the solution in unity? We affirm that the universe and everything in it is governed underneath it all by spiritual principles. This idea is at the very core of unity thought, and it drives all of our teachings. Everything ties back to a spiritual principle one way or another. So the antidote, if you will, to stinking thinking is living by spiritual principles, and that's what we want to focus on today. But spiritual principles are kind of abstract by their very nature. You know, we don't really know what they are. So how do we find that out? If everything's governed by them, it seems like we ought to be able to become aware of them. But, you know, I know I wasn't for a very long time. And, and Dan, how did you learn about spiritual principles? Well, one one thing that they are to me, and, and it is abstract, so it's, it's definitely, um, it can be challenging to kind of ascertain. I won't even say wrap your head around because I don't know that that's really possible, although, of course, we can... We can define anything and put words around it, but that's not that's not the thing. Words are just signposts. But uh, a spiritual principle is an idea that shapes the way that I see, you know, the way that I perceive and experience um, the world. Now, if if like the fire extinguisher on the wall, I'm unaware of the patterns of my mind um, for whatever reason, because of an active addiction or or what have you, then I can't really tell what 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 is it that's shaping my worldview i just look out the world's just like this this is how it is you know almost think that everyone else uh, must see the same thing right not realizing that uh the the creative power that i have 
in the meaning that I make out of what I perceive. And so a spiritual principle can shape the way that I see things. And, and when I can become aware of my thought patterns, which shows me how I'm, how I'm using, um, you know, these, uh, spiritual principles for better or for worse, um, then I can start to get some concept of choice, you know, some, the, the ability to choose starts to come in and I can, and I can say, well, you know, instead of just um, feeling afraid that this isn't going to work out, let me step back and remember, um, you know, just simply based on faith. Like, let me pretend that it is going to work out fine, and let's see what happens. You know, I think spiritual principles were so baffling to me. You know, I had grown up in a in a in an environment where I went to church occasionally, and I heard about the Ten Commandments, and those were all physical, external things. And then, you know, I heard about the golden rule, and that was more of a, a motive-based type of thing. Uh, but it still seemed to be a, a what do I want, treat others that way, you know, kind of, of uh, deal. And so when we talked about spiritual principles in the program, I just, I was so confused. I didn't know what was going on. And there's a line in there that talks about we had to pick up the spirit, the tool, the spiritual toolkit. And that's what they told me was in that spiritual toolkit, which was not just prayer, but was spiritual principles. And so I had to be instructed. I had to be taught. And an example of that was, um, you know, this idea, like you're talking about an idea that shapes the way you view the world of honesty, for example, was given to me as the spiritual principle of the first step. You know, I had to begin to look at myself of where does this apply? Where does it not? How, is this the way I want to show up? How do I want to be? What do I have to do to change that? And why am I having so much trouble with it? You know, uh, I had to start looking at, at this idea because I had to make a choice. And the choice was I want to live by this principle. And so when I made that choice, then I had a lot of work to do. In a way, uh, what what really jumped out at me with what you shared is that we we talk about being quote in recovery. One thing we're recovering is the power to choose, yes. because we had lost it. Right? We didn't. We no longer had the ability to choose whether we uh, participated in whatever our addiction might be, and we recover a lot of things. You know, we say, "Oh, I I'm in recovery," or "I'm a recovering this or that." You know, recovering alcoholic. What am I recovering? Well, I'm recovering my mind, you know, I'm recovering my ability to choose, I'm recovering, or maybe for the first time encountering a, a real connection with the world, you know, that is healthy. Um, one, one way that I think of a spiritual principle is that it's a, an immutable truth that's the same everywhere. And so that's how I can sort of, uh, it's a little bit of a litmus test like, you know, is, is this, uh, am I thinking in terms of principles or am I thinking in terms of personalities? I might ask, is this true everywhere? You know, is this an immutable truth that it cannot be uh, countered? Or is this situational? You know, is this going to change depending on who I'm talking to? Is this going to change depend on, depending on what mood I'm in, you know, or, or what's going on, or whether it's night or whether it's day? Um, if it's a spiritual principle, then it does not change, and it's the same everywhere. So in this uh, being taught 
for me, I was told that there was a spiritual principle behind each step. And so I was given a list and I was I was asked to begin practicing those. That was helpful because if I had to just pull a spiritual principle, a name, a word, an idea, a concept out of thin air, you know, I, I wouldn't know where to start. And as it turns out, for me at least, they build upon one another. I can't just start with service, for example, the principle of the 12th step, because I'm out there running around trying to fix everybody. You know, I'm not, I, and I think I'm being of service, but what I'm doing is being a busybody, you know, and I'm ignoring my own, um, my own motives and my own thinking and my own behavior in the world. I have to start, for me, I had to start at the beginning with, let's get honest with what's going on here, you know, before I could do that. And so for me, they were kind of a, um, a building block one upon the next, and that that was very useful uh, for me. And I was told that I cannot think my way into better living because my thinker is crooked. I have to live my way into better thinking. And so it, it brings in something that we talk about often, which is practice, you know, the practice of spiritual principles. It's not just a, an intellectual agreement with the concept of which is what I had for years. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea, you know, <laughs> whatever it was. Um, but I was in, unable to practice that principle, whatever it was. But my life changed when I started being able to, to put these into practice. Yes, we, a spiritual practice, right? It's something that we do, right? It's not just uh, something we assent to, uh, which is pretty easy. Uh, I found it's a lot easier just to agree with something than it is to actually change my life. By doing things differently, um, I find a spiritual principle can act as a guide for thinking. You know, it can guide my my thinking and therefore my actions. So it it can guide my point of view. So, for example, um, the the principle of generosity. You know, the principle that says we live in an abundant universe and it is not only okay, it is good and right for me to show up with generosity in the world if I want to. If I want to live in a generous universe, I have to show up as a generous person. And so that can um, guide my thinking and guide my actions, you know, where I might be worried about, you know, something about money it, when I remember, uh, you know, am I being fearful here or am I being generous? You know, am I operating on faith? And so that's a spiritual principle that shows up in my actions because it showed up in my my thinking, you know, in my mind. It, it's almost like it's a lens that I that I pull off the shelf and choose to live. let me look at let me look at this situation uh, through the lens of generosity. You know, what's going on here when I consider it by this principle? You know, and that that uh, sounds like you changing your behavior to then change the way you think about things. You know, what happens when I show up as generous? Oh, you know, that turns out this way instead, or forgiving, or loving, uh, or kind, or any number of other things. And, you know, for me, um, this kind of boils down to a spiritual principle is an idea, a good idea that provides guidance. In a, any given situation, I can, I can pull out a spiritual principle and say, what applies here? You know, do I, is this where I'm supposed to be generous? Is this where I'm supposed to be supportive? Is this where I'm supposed to be kind? You know, is this where I need to be honest? What is the situation called for? Because there's so many spiritual principles in the world that I find that for me, they each give guidance to what is my next 
um, action or activity in the world as far as how I show up. And so, you know, for me, what happened with these spiritual principles, I, I read a line in the book that said spiritual principles will solve all my problems. Well, I had plenty of problems. <laughs> and so now I'm on a quest. Which one is going to solve all my problems? Well, it turns out that there are a variety of ones, and I had to learn how to apply the right spiritual principle kind of in the right sequence. Like, don't make a choice before I have understanding, for example. And it takes practice. Again, we circling back to that word as you describe living in this way. I'm I'm reminded that wow, you know, we I didn't I didn't kind of come out of the gate uh, an expert in any of this, and I don't consider myself to be an expert in any of this. Uh, you know, it's an ongoing practice. I'm a I'm a I'm a work in progress, and um, what I can do is say. Um, set an intention to be mindful of what are what are the principles that are in play here. What is going on? And and in order to do that, I, I have you know I don't I don't I'm not doing that every waking moment, right? I kind of need to take a breath and step back a little bit and um, you know let let things settle down and then then I can consider you know what what's going on here? How am I feeling? That's one way. How, how does it feel in my body right now? That can help me point at uh, what's going on with me, you know, if I'm having some kind of fear reaction or whatever. Um, one aspect of spiritual principle that helps me uh, discern it is that it's, it's the same for everyone. You know, not only I talked about it being the same everywhere, it's the same for everyone. You know, it reminds me of a verse from the Gospel of Matthew that says that God sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. It rains on everybody. The rain doesn't care. You know, if you're in a place where it's raining, guess what? It's raining on you. And it, it, it's not like a, a, a virtuous person walks around and there's no rain on them. It's just on the rest of us. That's not how it works. So a principle, a spiritual principle is the same everywhere and for everyone. It doesn't play favorites in any way. You know, I, I really, um, after I got grounded in these spiritual principles as they were given to me out of the 12 steps, um, I, I began learning about the principles that unity, um, you know, has outlined. There's many, many, many of them, but the, I grabbed a hold of the 12 powers. And that was really understanding that I have these principles, the ability to use these principles, um, to put them in operation in different ways in my life, and can make choices about that really is what uh, took my recovery then to the next level. Here's an example that I like to use of, of something that you can wrap your head around that is uh, reliable or it's the same everywhere for everyone, and that is gravity. Now, I'm not saying that gravity is a spiritual principle, but it's something we can easily experience that has that those elements about it, that gravity doesn't, gravity doesn't love the graceful ballet dancer and hate the person that fell and broke their leg. Gravity is just gravity. It's the same for everyone, everywhere, all the time. And so that, that's, uh, that helps me wrap my head around what is a spiritual principle. Okay, well, hold that thought because it's time for a break. And when we come back, we'd love to hear from our listeners as we continue the conversation. The phone number is 
We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice and Rev. Dan Beckett. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, my name is Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice, and I'm here with Rev. Dan Beckett. We will resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to let you know the phone lines are open. So if you have a question or a comment to share, please give us a call at 816-251-3555. Again, that number is 816-251-3555. So prior to the break, we were discussing what we call in the recovery community stinking thinking, those patterns of thought that uh, are not that helpful for us. And we talked about the solution or the approach to shifting those to making our thinking more healthy, and that is spiritual principles. So Lonnie, now that we know about the stinking thinking challenge and that the solution is to live by spiritual principles, how do we do that? What does that look like? Uh, how, How does that help us come to a clarity of mind and purpose? Well, um, I think that there's two pieces to it. The first one is that I have to be aware that that's something I need to change or want to change, that that perhaps my life is out of alignment with spiritual principles. And um, and there are tools for that, which we'll talk about in a couple minutes. But, you know, that was one piece. So the awareness is always the first piece to me that something isn't working. You know, how's that working for you? It's not. Okay, <laughs> need to change something. You know, and, and the second piece was was to identify um, where the problem is. And what I mean by that is I I was told, and I'll use honesty an example. I was told I needed to be honest. Well, I came in, I thought I was honest. Well, I was cash register honest. I didn't steal and I didn't cheat, you know, but I would say yes when I meant no, you know, I would, I would, um, accept an invitation and then try to figure out a way to get out of it because I didn't really want to do it. Um, you know, I would pretend to be happy when I wasn't, uh, you know, I mean, there was there's this emotional level of I'm not connected to and and honest about my emotions. I'm not connected to my motives and what what my real motive is here. Why can't I just say no or no thank you instead of going oh sure and then you know figuring out a way to lie to get my way out of it. You know, I mean that kind of thing. I, there was a lot of work to do on the different layers. Oh yeah. I'm going to talk again about uh, generosity because this is this is one that I uh, teach a lot because I, I find it very it's something that we all encounter all the time and it helps us in a very concrete way kind of get at a spiritual principle and how it's tied to the way that we think in a way that we can uh, improve our life situation. So for example, um, I know that the universe is constantly presenting giving opportunities to me, you know, doors open. And and one way that a giving opportunity shows up is that if I go eat at a restaurant and the bill comes, there's a line for it, right? It's, it's It should be labeled giving opportunity. It says tip, but to me it's labeled giving opportunity. And so the question comes, how how much of a tip should I leave on this? And, you know, am, am I doing that thing where I'm, I'm going to leave as little as possible and still not be considered a bad person? You know, is that a fearful way of looking at it? Am I practicing generosity? And, and what I've done before is think of an amount and think, 
well, could you leave 50 cents more than that? Well, yeah, I could leave 50. Okay, so what about a dollar more? And, and, and instead of thinking what's the least I can give and get away with it, what's the most I can give and still be a good steward? You know, so still be uh, acting in integrity, not doing anything crazy. You know, I'm not going to give a, a $500 tip on a $10 bill, but I might leave a $5 tip on a $10 bill or even a $10 tip on a $10 bill, if that's how I feel guided. And so this principle of generosity shows up a lot, and that's one concrete way. And so that's an example of how I use a spiritual principle to shift my worldview, to shift my thinking away from... Um, a sort of a fearful way, like, oh, I better hang on to everything I have because there might not be enough, which is the thought that's driving how little can I give. And I don't, I don't want to live that way. I don't want to go around uh, thinking how little can I get away with giving. I want to go around thinking how generous can I be uh, instead. And so that's one way that a spiritual principle shows up and guides my thinking. You know, you, you mentioned feeling guided. How do you feel guided? And, and the question that comes up for me, and I'll call it in an inventory, when I become introspective and when I look at what am I doing, how am I showing up, and what am I feeling, what am I thinking, it's what is guiding my life right now? And there are big broad terms like fear, which you mentioned, and love, but oftentimes it's um it's it's other things you know the the fear of not enough or the the um fear of abandonment or you know and if i have a big bucket called fear i can't tackle that that's too big but if i get down to you know like uh, lack and limitation was one of my big um challenges being stuck in that thinking pattern of lack and limitations um what was guiding my life at that moment was it that fear was it the belief in an abundant universe? I had to to change, consciously make choices about changing what I wanted to think about the universe. You know, my life experience up to that point in time, while I had always been well taken care of, I had uh, interpreted the way I was taken care of as being out of lack and limitation. You know, and, and there are things like being living in a one-room cabin. You know, well, I had a roof over my head, but that's not the way I interpreted that. You know, I mean, with no running water and stuff like that. And so, you know, it, it's I had to reinterpret my world and I had to ask myself, what is making my choice for me? You know, prior it was the addiction. But now it's fear. How do how do I change that? I love that. Reinterpret your world. That's exactly it. That's that recovering the power of choice and recovering even even you know the power of observation the power to notice we call it awareness right it's always the first step in change uh, here's another example of a question i tried to think of some you know very practical day-to-day examples and here's one should i call that person back or when should i call that person back um, who called me and so the principle there uh, for me might be integrity Right. Am I am I showing up the way I would want others to show up? You know, golden rule, a bit of that is in there. Um, But just is, you know, what is the right thing to do? What is the right thing to do here? What is the upstanding thing to do? What is the kind uh, and the loving and the supportive thing to do? Well, it's to call the person back. So maybe I should do it right now. Or, you know, I look at my watch, it's 1030 at night. Well, that wouldn't be appropriate. But let me make sure that it's on my list to do before lunchtime tomorrow. You know, that's one way that I can 
approach a simple situation like, you know, someone has left me a message. I got a zillion things on my list. Where does this fit in? Well, it's important. So let me go ahead and take care of it. You know, and you say that's important. You know, another factor I had to, to consider in all of this is my priorities. You know, what is important to me in my life? You know, was it more important to be kind to others and to re- reciprocate with a phone call or to to stay focused on whatever I wanted to do, a video game at the time, you know, and, and, and stay buried in that? I had to determine what my priorities were, and I remember being so baffled when I was told to make a list. I knew what the answers were supposed to be. I'm supposed to say, God, recovery, family, et cetera, you know, but I didn't know what my, my priorities truly were. And it, it was pointed out through my behavior that they showed up. My priority was me, you know, (laughs) I wanted what I want when I wanted, you know? And so I, I was taught that there were a number of layers to my recovery and the spiritual principles apply across all of the layers. You know, we were talking about the stinking thinking, which happens to drive emotions. If I stay stuck in this negativity long enough, I'm pretty soon I'm really depressed, you know, and, and then it's a vicious cycle. And then pretty soon I'm acting depressed and I'm acting out of that fear and depression. And so, you know, not just changing my behavior, but changing my thinking was important in order to to get out of that cycle. But underneath that, I had to find out what my motives are because and that went along with my priorities. Uh, for example, they look the same on the outside. If you see me offering somebody a ride, you don't know why I'm doing it, but I do. I'm, I'm going to cash in on my favors later. Um, you know, I'm going to give them a ride because they can never pay me back and they'll owe me one. You know, I'm going to give them a ride because I was told to. My sponsor said, hey, give her a ride home. Or, what? you know, you, you can't tell by looking on the outside, but I had to examine the inside and then begin to apply those principles. I like that. I had a, a, this is a fairly broad question, but I think uh, we can all identify with it. What should I do? You know, sometimes we we will come up to a situation we're not sure what to do. It could be a little thing or a big thing. It could be like I shared before, you know, uh, I'm eating at a restaurant and the bill comes. What should I do? How much of a tip should I leave? But it could be bigger things too. You know, should I go back to school? Um, should I, you know, should I move to a different place? Should I uh, consider getting a different job? You know, there, there can be very big questions too, where we just, we might, it might show up with a feeling like I don't know what to do. And I like to turn that around into a question that says, well, what should I do? Or what could I do? Or what do I want to do? Or what's the right thing to do? You know, we talk about the next right thing. What is the next right thing to do? Well, all this points at and this is also one of unity's 12 powers uh, to what we'd call wisdom you know that so that gut instinct that 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 body level knowing not not figuring out in our heads so much and and maybe influenced by our heart but that gut feeling that says uh, you know this this feels like the right thing to do i'm not sure exactly why um, and I'm going to go ahead and do it, even though I don't know where it's going. So that's wisdom mixed with some faith. Now, I I heard it. I learned it uh, under the description of guidance 
you know, we'll talk about check your guidance, turn within and check your guidance, which is a really weird sentence. It was for me, you know, before I start hanging around with all, all these unitics that I'm right in the middle of now, what does that even mean? You know, how do I know what it is that I want that's the right thing to do? Well, I, I learned about guidance in the context of uh, the practice of firewalking. And no, you don't have to do something like that in order to get a sense of what your guidance is. But I'll tell you what, it works. It worked for me. I knew that that night, I knew what my guidance felt like. And, and it wasn't like it was a new thing. I'm like, oh, it's that? I know what that is. I didn't know that that was the thing that could guide my thoughts and my actions. Wow. Um, and so when I, when I think, you know, I'm not sure what to do, uh, do what I call a mini meditation or what Eckhart Tolle called a conscious breath. You just you know, just pause for a minute. Do a do a do a quote mindfulness meditation that lasts one inhale and one exhale. Sometimes that's all that we need to do. And 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 when I do that, I have a chance to feel like what is going on in my gut, and that's how my guidance shows up. I just know it in my body. Uh, it feels right, and so. When that question, well, what should I do or what's the right thing to do? What's the next right thing to do comes up? Um, I can apply what I've now learned uh, is the spiritual principle of wisdom. And it, it, it's, it, it's, again, it's not something that was foreign to me. I just didn't have any language or concept around it. I didn't know it was the thing that I could live by, you know, and, and I'm glad that I discovered it. You know, I'm reminded of this journey that it took for me to arrive at that point that you're talking about, about knowing what your guidance is. And there's a couple things that come to mind. And, and one was, um, I believe it's in the 10th step, it talks about how the hunch becomes a working part of the mind. But prior to that, it talks about how we fool ourselves because we believe we're guided this way or that way or some other way, but it's based on our, our ulterior motives, you know, that we're called to get in this relationship or to take that job or to, you know, move in with this person or what have you. And, and which, as you might notice, are all external things, um, you know, and so, you know, it took me a long time to, to get to that point that you described with firewalking, you know, the knowing, the feeling in my body that this is, this is what is next for me whatever that might be. And, and it went through a process where I had to check it out. I'd call my sponsor and I'd say, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I want to do. What do you think? <laughs> and sometimes I'd check it out with three or four or five people. So I was going to the, if you want to call it this, this the spiritual principle of community. Everybody in recovery yeah. headed the same direction, uh, aimed at the same goals. And if somebody looked at me sideways and said, uh, you might want to think about that again, then I'd go, oh, okay. And sometimes I'd do it and sometimes I wouldn't. But, you know, it took me a long time to arrive at a place of having faith in that feeling that you were describing of knowing that I knew what to do. I love community. That's one of my very favorite things about this whole recovery journey is the that I really, in a, in a way, I mean, uh, in some ways I'd, I'd had communities like uh, smaller groups of friends or I, I played in a band that was pretty serious for several years a long time ago. And that was a kind of a family or a community. But, um, you know, I had an experience recently that that reminds me of that. And I agree that that's a spiritual principle. Uh, community 
or the power of community might be the principle. I'm not sure exactly what it is. But um, so my family moved about a year and a half ago from a from a less populated city to a bigger area. So there's just more people around here. And I went to a recovery meeting a couple Sundays ago. I just felt like going. And I looked at, you know, on my, my iPhone app that tells me all the meetings and times. And I picked one that I'd never been to before. And it said it was a speaker meeting. So I thought, okay, that sounds good. You know, where I came from, a speaker meeting is a big meeting. We might have 40 people there, maybe even 50 people show up and that's one of the biggest meetings in town. I walked into this room. There were more people in that room than I think are in recovery where I came from. I was like, what is going on here? This is like a giant party. Everyone was eating there. There were five tables full of food. And, and so somebody, you know, I was like, I think I'm in the right place. Cause I saw some program literature and whatnot. <laughs> Cause I, I first thought maybe I walked into the wrong place here. It was a, what a wonderful experience. I didn't know anyone there, but I was very comfortable being there. Cause in a sense, I know everyone there. I, we, we've all been on the same shipwreck. It doesn't matter if I haven't learned their name or not yet. So that was the power of community showing up uh, in my life just because I said, eh, yeah, I think I'll go check out this meeting, thinking it's going to be 20 people. You know, I walked in, I heard it was 160 while we're in that room. So, man, yeah, power of community, uh, plus one, as we say on the Internet, plus one from me for that. It's huge. Well, you know, when we talk about spiritual community, we, uh, recovery isn't the only place, the recovery meetings, where we find that. But that spiritual community is essential on this journey, whether you find it in a, in a small group, a study group, a, a church, um, a recovery group, you know, that the power of uh, a group is, is significant. And for me, putting that into place, I had to be talked into it to start with. You know, they say, first you go to meetings because you have to. And then you go to meetings because you ought to. And then you go to meetings because you can. And then you finally get to go to meetings. You know, that kind of describes the progression for me of the becoming a part of a community, standing on the outside and I'm kind of coerced into going. But, you know, once I'm in, I'm connected with that community, that is where I learned the things that I learned. I saw people that showed me an example of what does this look like? What does integrity look like? You know, what does, what does honesty look like? What does, what does faith look like? What does belief look like? Not just what they talked about, how they defined it with their words, but how they put it into action. So it's been a very powerful part of my recovery. You know, you talked a little bit about ago about how that there is a spiritual principle underneath each step. And I, I found that, that that applies with a lot of our slogans, too. Uh, for example, that slogan that says, suit up and show up, to me, is an expression of what I would call the spiritual principle of strength, which is one of Unity's 12 powers. It means I'm just going to go ahead and do this because I know it's the right thing to do, so I sort of power through it. You know, sometimes um, it, it can be, if I'm at home, and I know, okay, so there's a, it, there's a meeting that starts in, in 30 minutes and it's 10 minutes from here. And so I could, if I left in 15 minutes, I'd be on time. You know, getting myself off the couch 
can seem like a daunting task and it can take strength, right? Or, or at least resolve. I mean, maybe that's one way that strength shows up as it shows up as a resolve. Like, yes, I can do this. Yes, I'm going to do this. And I get up and I go do it. I suit up and I show up. And that's an expression of strength, which I always have, um, available, just like all these spiritual principles, they're available to all of us all the time. Uh, we're not inventing them. We're kind of discovering what they're like in our own experience so that we can draw on them as needed. Um, I don't think we've said it yet on this episode, but we've said it before. Um, I can misuse these principles as well. I can misuse the power of strength, which which I have done. A liquor store closes in 30 minutes. It's uh, 10 minutes away. I could, I'm I'm out the door by the time that thought is done. You know, I I have jumped up to do what needs doing, and what needs doing is me needs to go to the liquor store. So that's you know that's sort of powering through in a negative way. You know, I'm using the power of strength to support an unhealthy way of being. And that's the interesting thing about the spiritual principles is that they can all be misused. We can have faith in the wrong thing. You know, we can have use, use strength to hang on to the wrong thing. We can forget to let go of things that are damaging us, you know, and the power of release and all of that. But I like what you said about the different slogans. The one that comes to my mind is first things first. You know, and I mean, they, of course, when we walk in the program, they talk about put down the drink. That's the first thing you have to do. The second thing is you have to show up, you know, uh, to the meetings. And so first things first to me speaks to the power of order. I'm not supposed to go to a meeting and then put down the drink. You know, I need to, I need to do it in the other, other way around. And so, um, you know, the slogans are an easy way for me to remember the principles, um, not by name necessarily, but the principles that are operable in keeping my recovery supported. Another one of those slogans that comes to mind that for me ties uh, readily to a spiritual principle is the, is let go and let God. That's one of the hardest things to do. It's such a simple thing to say, and it's not hard to understand either. And we might even know times when we've done it. But to be able to do that when, you know, when the time is right, when I discern, again, I guess that's wisdom telling me, you know what, uh, I need to let go and let God here. And the principle underneath that is the principle of release, you know, letting go of that which is no longer serving us is a way that we we voice that uh, a lot in unity. Letting go of the things that are burdensome. And so for, for all of us in recovery, whatever it is that our addiction was, that was something we needed to release. You know, you said step one is put the drink down, step two is show up. That putting the drink down, that's letting go. I'm letting go of something that was a central part of my life for a long, long time. But it's become very clear that it's no longer serving me. In fact, it's downright dangerous and detrimental. And so I'm going to set it aside and move on without it. So I'm going to release, I'm going to let go of that and then let God, whatever that might be, you know, move into the unknown, show up for new possibilities that I don't even know what they're going to be. Um, but I'm just going to let go of that that's not serving me and move on to um, hopefully a, a higher, oh, I don't know about higher, a better way, a healthier way. That's it, a healthier way of living. You know, earlier you talked about how we regain the power of choice, you know, the, and which is the power of will. 
you know, our ability to choose. And one of the things that I had to make a conscious decision about um, after I had identified some of these thinking patterns was to quit seeking material solutions to spiritual problems. An example is, oh, I need another job. I'm not making enough money. I've got too many bills. That is my problem. But finding another job, trying to make more money would be the material solution to that when, in fact, my spiritual problem is a belief system that supports lack and limitation, that I was stuck in that rut, as we talked about earlier. And so the choice that I had to make was to choose to stop seeking answers in the material world for these spiritual problems. And that was difficult because I didn't always have the right diagnosis. You know, it's a so mismatch. I love it, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Square peg in a round hole. So let's now move into action. The unity's fifth principle states, it's not enough to know these truths. We must live them. That means we must each take action in order to grow and recover. So here's something you can do to move from stinking thinking to a clarity of mind and purpose using spiritual principles. Think of a way in which your thinking may be clouded today. Do you carry anxiety or fear in general? Or do you must mistrust other people? Or maybe you feel trapped in a life that you don't like. What's important is to pick one thing, preferably something simple to focus on for the purpose of this exercise. Because you can take what we do here today into your life this week and return to it anytime you choose in order to find some peace. So let's use the example of, of feeling anxious frequently. Use a statement of power or what we refer to in unity as a denial to deny any power to this feeling of fear or anxiety. You could say something like, fear does not define me. It is not the truth of who I am. Repeat it a few times in your head or even say it aloud, but say it with conviction. Fear does not define me. It is not the truth of who I am. And then follow that up immediately with a bold and positive affirmation of a new experience. So you could say, uh, I breathe easy and relax, taking solace in the loving presence of the spirit within me. Then take a few quiet moments to relax and take it easy. There's no need to struggle. Give thanks for your new experience in the world and move on with your day. Once again, fear does not define me. It is not the truth of who I am. I breathe easy and relax, taking solace in the loving presence of the spirit within me. So we've come to the end of our time together here today, and we hope that you found something that can help you on your recovery path. Thank you, Reverend Dan Beckett, for this discussion, and thank you to everybody who's listening to the podcasts via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. And listeners, if you would like, again, you can contact us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, to give us your thoughts and feedback. And we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Until then, have a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Victoria Moran. 
Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.